Welcome back to the Connecting Minds podcast. Today, our guest is Andy Rouse from the Deep Share podcast. Andy, thank you so much for joining us today, brother. Thanks, man. I'm glad to be here. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. I think it's going to be a very interesting conversation. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about what what is your podcast about? How did you get into all of this stuff? So since I was like 18 or 19 years old, I've been... Um, researching, um, the brain, consciousness, um, religion, spirituality of all kinds, history, things like that. And so, you know, right around, I would say 2015, maybe 2016, um, I started to get turned on to all these conspiracy podcasts. I was like, Oh my God, my people, I found them. They're in podcasts. Okay, cool. You know? And so after a couple of years of listening and eventually just kind of screaming <laughs> at them and stuff without them being able to hear me, I decided to start my own show and see where it went. And I just happened to talk to certain, certain individuals at the right time. And man, it's been like two years now or, or maybe more. And I've got some really great friends and there's a lot of uh, amazing people in this community. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it just keeps getting better and better, it seems. Yeah. So w one of the things I know you were able to talk at length is the manipulation of history. So mm. if if you would, uh, if you wouldn't mind, I, there's a topic that I have quite an interest in. I, I even have a couple of books on it, but I just have not had time uh, over the last couple of years to dig into it. So I know it's kind of a bit en vogue. I don't want to be banal, but let's talk a little bit about Tartaria, bro. What do you say? <laughs> I actually surprisingly don't know that much about Tartaria. I could give you like a vague conspiracy theory overview of it, but I don't know really the ins and outs. I have a couple colleagues that have really looked into it yeah. and are connecting it to the older time periods that I look into. Okay. Um, but for just like a general gloss over Tartaria is, um, well, <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny. There's a couple ways to talk about it. I would say, first of all, it's the story of hidden history. It's a lost civilization in a way, but kind of not because they were among us the whole time and old maps and old books talk about the Tartars and it's a place near like the East or Russia or somewhere there. But then the, this is the second way to talk about it where it, to me, it seems like kind of gaslighting or gatekeeping in a way where there's tons of hidden history, but Tartaria is a way to kind of corner or corral and go look at this and lump everything into this category. Because I was in a couple of Tartaria Facebook groups and I had to leave because the topics were never about analyzing actual history or archaeology or linguistics or anything like that. It was about how weird can we get and how much, you know, crazy, unconfirmed, unverified wildness can we add to this story? Like, you know, not to shit on flat earth, pardon my language, but um, <laughs> that's one angle. And we don't, we just don't know, right? Like n nobody, other. <laughs> I'm not saying I know, but 
no one knows really, you know? Mm. And, uh, so there's a lot of these little things that get thrown in giants and everything. And we, without unpacking those words, and I think linguistically is the most important part. Um, but without unpacking them, we kind of plant our flags in different parts of this conspiracy map, uh, this alternative history. So that's kind of the second thing. And I'm more focused on that area of history where it's like, okay, we have a lot of alternative ideas going on this day and age. Uh, the prominent ones being put out into popular culture being like, you know, Graham Hancock's take on things or Randall Carlson or the two of them. Um, you know, there's a number of different people you can point to in that arena, but to me, it's, um, it is gatekeeping in a way. I don't know if it's intentional or not. I'm not trying to point any fingers, but it seems like it's a limited hangout kind of situation. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> so from your research, what would you say like is where can we say with a, a fairly high degree of certainty that the history has been manipulated? Can you give us some concrete examples? Concrete examples, man. <laughs> right off the top like of my head. Like the Jesus Christ exists, for example. Oh, that's a that's a really interesting one. That's still up for debate, in my opinion, because on one side you have like a brand of skepticism that is looking at religious writings and mythology and folklore as all bullshit or just all silly stories made by primitive people. And that's kind of where the main root of skepticism comes from. But then you have the other side, which, you know, takes it, you know, way too far the other direction where it's, it's, I don't know, it goes into taking it way too literally. Um, I think it kind of lies somewhere in the middle there where there is a lot of history in our mythology, but there's a lot of spirituality written into it as well. And I think right, the right. two are kind of spun up in a way. I don't know if that really answers the question, yeah. but there's not, I mean, when it comes to concrete examples, Jesus is an interesting thing because we have so many references to, you know, similar deity like figures all throughout, you know, in different areas. Mm-hmm. There's, um, you know, the whole connection to, um, the Egyptian Osiris or Horus, like we have, and even within the same religious myths, we have this Jesus archetype. Um, I wrote a paper in college about Lucifer being a prototype of the Jesus character, which definitely pissed some people off. But, (laughs) um, you know, he's a sun God and so was Lucifer. And there's a lot of sun gods. There's a lot of sun worship, Mm. um, all the way back to, ancient folklore and ancient uh, mythology it's always the sun um we've connected that to a lot of evil conspiracy stuff too but i mean we got to remember that it's not like some evil group that's coming up with this stuff it's maybe perhaps an evil group or a nefarious group that likes to hijack what's naturally true but yeah. not creating lies you know right 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 so what's kind of your 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 area of would you say you're most well versed in when it comes to history, I really yeah. like studying the ancient um, European and Germanic areas and uh, the Scandinavian areas and all the folklore and mythology that comes out of those areas. It's pretty amazing. Um, I've and what, been turned so, out of curiosity. What spurred that interest for you towards those things? So I've always been really interested ever since um, I was like 
like I said, 18 or 19, when I started doing like psychedelics, that really blew my mind open because I was like an atheist when I was younger. I didn't, I kind of turning into a nihilist at that point. And then psychedelics, you know, took all of that away and left me with only questions. And, um, you know, so when I ended up in the kind of conspiracy world, I've always been really fascinated by by ancient history. Like, where does all this stuff come from? Like, what did our ancestors think about this stuff? Is psychedelics written about there? Uh, and then it's juxtaposed with the alien stuff too, the ancient alien thing. And I was really, really interested in ancient aliens for a long time. Yeah. That's what got me interested in this because uh, a friend of mine, Dan, Dan Anaki Dan, as he likes to call himself, mm -hmm. from Rising from the Ashes podcast. Uh, it's a great show. Check it out. But he's a brilliant researcher, and he uh, turned me on to what's called the Box Saga, B-O-C-K. And it's an entirely different cosmology, an entirely different alternative history that we've, than we've ever heard. But it's very intriguing, and it led me to – it was like all of a sudden uh, – a curtain had been pulled away from my eyes and I could see clearly for the first time that all these missing links and missing pieces that I kept fumbling around with, with ancient aliens and everything to me. Now it looks as though it's all human history, strictly human history and the ideas of fairies and angels and all these things different aliens and everything. It's different perspective. It's different, it's different perceptions, but it's mostly about how we've kind of, uh, played a game of telephone with our language for the most part. And uh, I've gone into all sorts of etymologies of Ireland and Scotland and England and Scandinavia. There, all these words that we use, we can root back to, um, to mean human things. And, you know, it's still up in the air, of course. I don't have any full answers, but everyone's kind of looking into these different areas from their own perspectives, you know? Yeah. And for me, it's like Occam's razor almost. Like, let's start with humanity and see if that's where we can keep it. Because I, I do believe that there is a beautiful spiritual experience inside every one of us that's waiting to happen. Um, but I also believe that there is some force out there, whether it be misunderstood by us in a million ways or something close to what we call it in religion, but it's a deceiver of some kind. It's some deceptive force and it may be just part of ourselves. I don't know, but it wants to hide some of this stuff, maybe just political gain or something over time. I don't know, but a lot of this is suppressed. So yeah. it's interesting to, to look into it. You know, this is something I've actually been thinking a little bit lately about is, why to yeah why is so much stuff hidden from a human when you're born because like if i don't know how if you how you feel about reincarnation but i i've often talked about that i i believe in reincarnation but uh some folks that are more into the gnostic sort of uh paradigm that you know there's the demiurge and we're mm. basically uh, our, our souls are tricked to re keep reincarnating to us so right. that our energy can be extracted. And their sort of uh, proof for that is if this was a, if earth was a place to learn, why don't we remember our pr previous lives? And to that, I would personally, I've been thinking about it. <clears throat> I've never had a chance to bring those arguments up to those guys. I've actually mm -hmm. wanted to interview a couple of them about it, but um, 
my personal take is, dude, I can't fucking remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. <laughs> and you want to remember a Bingo. previous life. You know, so that, that's the one meaning thing. of life is a passing thought. Like yeah. I've experienced, quote unquote, the meaning of it all under eight grams of dried psilocybin. <laughs> and it was a passing thought just as important and remembered as, oh, yeah, I got to get milk on Tuesday. Like literally it, it's yeah. uh, Terrence McKenna's example of waking up in the middle of the night and proclaiming a song is a song. And it meant nothing the next day. Yeah. <laughs> it's something beyond the words. Sorry yeah, to interject. Yeah. No, no, no. That's 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 exactly it, man. Like I, I, I've actually also had like um, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night, and I just realize we are enveloped in God's love, and I'm just like, like thank you, God, thank you, you know. And then I just fall back asleep. And then the next morning. I wake up and I remember I had this sort of profound moment of bliss. I'm like, what the hell was that about? It just right. I just woke up in the middle. You know, was it a dream? What what was it about? But um, and, and what was so clear about it? God, it's like I, you know, you remember. Well, I saw something so clearly in that moment, and now I literally can't scratch at it and figure it out. What was yeah. it? And it doesn't matter. Just that memory of the impact. Yeah. So if you die, let's say you um. Oh, so actually, here's the other sort of thing about it if it, it with a human mind it's very difficult to conceptualize much other than the workings of your own mind you mostly desires and and you know the egoic stuff so yes. how who the fuck are we to uh so presumptuously assume we understand what god's plan is for us here, why we are born here. And for me, it's the, the one of the biggest questions I'm grappling with. Why is there so much suffering that uh, uh, is coupled with the human experience? But then when you think about it, you know, what is suffering to God is a little human, little puny human suffering because, oh, he didn't get the girl or the car that he wants. Is right, that, right. Like in the grand scheme of things, what is that, you know? So what, what's your kind of, any thoughts on that? Take. I think you definitely hit hit it on the head there. Like, it's not necessarily like us looking at an ant, like they don't matter. It, I think it's that our perception is so far off from what reality is that we, like even just the idea of God and us is, and this is offensive but <laughs> to some, but I think even that is a dualistic idea, you know? Yeah. And I and I don't subscribe to the what conspiracy theory usually calls Luciferian or satanic. And they use these terms arbitrarily. They don't know where the words come from. But um I'm not I don't subscribe to that idea that every human is running around and we're all our own gods and we should be able to make our own morality as we see fit. That yeah. is a very luciferian idea. Those thoughts and cults do exist and they're probably connected high up and it's it's a very egomaniac type of ideology. And I I think that that is a well-intentioned at first confused take on what we should get out of, you know, the experience we have it with that transcendental interaction because i think the whole thing is fractal 
everything is fractal, just it's everything is one. And I think this law of one idea permeates most ancient religions and mythologies uh, when it comes to the spiritual aspect of it. It's about this oneness. It, and I mean, I'm going a little over the place here, but the idea of separating ourselves from what we see around us is kind of arbitrary and personal and uh, it's identified with the body and the self. And I, I've really, I used to dig into Buddhism a lot. I really mm. jived with Buddhism, when, especially mm. after psychedelics, just kind of rifling through my upbringing with Christianity and everything. Buddhism was uh, just it seemed like I was reading an instruction manual for consciousness rather than what I should do or shouldn't do or what is and what isn't. It was more like, this is what's going on in your head. This is what's happening out here in the world. And the th cool part about Buddhism is the central, central thing that makes it Buddhism is the self is rejected too, as an attachment where Hinduism doesn't do that. Taoism doesn't do that. These other Eastern religions don't do that. But Buddhism is the outcast where there is no self either, that there is no beer, there's just being. It's this verb, this being, this process. What that looks like after we die, I don't know if we've ever come into contact with a single clue other than maybe near-death experiencers like those guys. But when I take psychedelics and when, when someone meditates or all these different situations, perhaps even the near-death experience, um, not trying to step on toes here, but perhaps these experiences are only reflections of other levels of our physical approach to reality and the mental, the mind, the, the duality of it. I don't know if we've ever seen beyond this, you know, but yeah, I'm all over the place here. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's a very super profound shit. That's why it's when you, when you get it, I'm the same. Like I start thinking about one thing, then a bunch of other things because we're yeah, talking it's about, very, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a very deep stuff, but um, I love that. I seem to connect with folks that we just philosophize like crazy. I love this shit. Yeah, um, man. The, I also was really quite, quite into Buddhism, like in my twenties. Mm -hmm. And what, one thing I, I'm trying to replay back in my head is, I remember, I think I, I got this book on the teachings of Buddha. I was in a hotel in Singapore and they there, the, instead of Bibles there, they, you have the teachings of Buddha in the book. So I, right. I, I borrowed that for a lifetime, that little book, very mm. cool book. And it, it was uh, in Jap one page was in English, one one in Japanese, very cool books. So I'm like, this, definitely keep That's this, awesome. Guys. Yeah. So um, in there, I think in there I read it that basically the way Buddha taught was that the ego itself, like what you said, exactly. The ego itself is the illusion. So uh, a very, I think for most people, it would be very difficult because you also cannot use the, only the intellectual mind. In fact, it's like the intellectual mind will get in the way of mm -hmm. coming to terms with the fact that that ego, that perception of yourself as you think it is, that is the illusion. That is a mirage that you are holding together just with thought forms, you know? Mm -hmm. What do you, mm -hmm. what, what, how do you I reconcile I would take that? it a step further. I would take it yeah. a step further. So uh, in the Russian doll fractal kind of perspective, um, sh when we have a transcendental experience of some kind, it doesn't have to be. What, whatever creates this situation where we have uh, true ego death or what we like to call in the West ego death. Yeah. Um, 
this idea of shedding all the illusions, we can literally come back into reality. We inevitably have to come back into the logical thinking mind, but we can do so knowing that these illusions are there and that we can take them more lightly. We can live our lives more lightly. Um, but then in the next level up that next, uh, scale in the fractal, us being here as individuals to me is also ego and that will also be shed when we're talking about shedding this actual mortal coil. So there's two different things. And I think this is a contentious topic when it comes to religious text, because I think there's a lot of Western religion that talks about enlightenment, not about post-mortem existence. And I don't know, someone could correct me. How many times do they mention you know, at the afterlife and in what context in Christianity, Judaism, I would like to, to see what they're saying, because it could very well be that you could easily see a metaphor right in your face and say, whoa, 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 whoa. This is clearly talking about, you know, becoming aware of oneself, not necessarily, um, what's going to happen when you're not here anymore. Like yeah. you, you and me, these, these separations seem to be a product of, of the physical duality that exists, this multiplication of the one. Whereas if, if so that that's kind of my view on it where, yeah, in this life, we individuals, we reflect that greater scale so we can shed our egos individually in this life here together. But that greater ego is this physical world itself kind of in a way, not that it's an illusion, not that it's yeah. fake, because there's often this theme we run into in movies and books and all kinds of things where, you know, this place has to exist for the afterlife to, it's like this kind of dualistic setup already. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's a complex topic, but I do think <laughs> there is yeah. an ego that we collectively shed after death. And we realize that I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. I have no idea what's going on, bro. <laughs> well, it's like no consciousness what... is like a process, like I was saying before. Like there's a being, there it's being, but there yeah. is no beer. And yeah. I think here in this state, this physical dual state, it's almost like alchemy. We are producing this outcome like a mathematical equation. And the physical world is like this the other side of the the equal sign. You know, we're here together in this moment, collectively talking and everything. But what what Buddhism talks about is what all there really is, is this void, this pregnant void and pregnant because it's got it's like uh, quantum superposition. All possibilities are there. But once the reality, the wave function is collapsed on into a particle in like the double slit experiment, it becomes this, well, it is here or it is here, it is here, it is there. So to me, we are the collapsed wave function. We are the particle. We are the, yeah, this is what it would look like <laughs> of the preliminary thought that is the pregnant void of everything. I don't know. That uh, went pretty deep. My head just exploded, Ron. I gotta go pick up my brain. <laughs> oh, I like you, bro. You're cool. You're Likewise, cool. man. Um, if you can handle and put up with this crazy shit, dude, you're like, good people. Uh, we, uh, we, me and my wife, when before we had our kid, 
we would go on these walks and we would always walk the dog and we start philosophizing and shit, you know? Mm-hmm. So we just philosophize about all sorts of shit. And um, recently we're coming back from a walk and we started philosophizing about it. Like, and I just remembered, yeah, we don't do this anymore. What happened to us? You know, we, we, we became grownups. We got married. We had the kids. Now we have all these responsibilities. And we don't have time to just walk, relax, and just philosophize about life and stuff. And, you know, this is part of why I love doing this podcast so much because we can talk about like serious things that most people that we are in our everyday life, we're just so busy with the minutia that we don't get to. I, I mean, I personally do kind of sit, stop and contemplate things. Like when yeah. I'm out with my dog, I listen to a lot of podcasts with that stimulate this type of thinking, but I feel like this is badly needed in society. Now, instead of being on our phones or like uh, watching YouTube videos, we need to be getting together. And because like you literally are opening my mind right now, someone listening to us, listening to this, they might have a, a profound, even um, moment of Satori. You never know. Hey, just, who knows? just listening, something that prompted their egoic mind to maybe stop for a second, let the, the base consciousness just permeate out of that, like a, a flower coming out of the ground, you know? So yeah, I think man. it's cool. I, it's happened to me so many times listening to other podcasters. We're, I feel like we're all floating in the same language soup and the, the, the same thought processes, at least once we're turned on, at least once the question is asked and we're, we're looking, once yeah. we're looking, we're all on the same, same side, you know? And, and I know that we, all of us have different perceptions of things and we all have different language we use. And, you know, I can dig all of it because it's kind of just different perspectives on the same thing that we're really getting at that we're really never going to be able to name when it comes to the phenomenon of consciousness and what we're doing here. Like I said before, it seems like even our deepest clues and hints come from the thinking mind, whether Mm -hmm. it's an opened thinking mind under psychedelics or meditation, it's still pulling, pulling something amazing out of the ether filtering it back down into language and then our egoic personality brings it forward to other people. And then sometimes we build churches and pyramids, but (laughs) sometimes we just talk about it, you know, one way or the other, it's, we're never going to be able to name it. We can only, I remember having that revelation on psychedelics often. It was always, everything is metaphor. Everything is simile, but you can Mm -hmm. never just say what it is. Yeah. What, is it like there is no name for it it's just yeah yeah yeah, yeah. what have you gone into researching the the origins of civilization as a, a guy called michael tassarion i don't know if you've mm. heard of him he talks yeah he talks about the um that the origins of modern civilization come from ireland have you ever looked into that stuff I absolutely have. And I don't agree with him at all, but I absolutely agree with the points he makes about Ireland. Like his work on Ireland is incredible. I like a lot of it. Um, But the, I think he does, he covers the Tuada de Danan quite often. The, basically the origin of the Druids, the origin of the fairies, the, Mm -hmm. the elves, all these words that we have in, in Irish folklore. Uh, that's them. They showed up on the shores of Ireland in ships of light and all this. They were tall, white, blue eyed, blonde hair, blah, 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 red hair. Uh, yeah, I've done that's That's my area of expertise. If you could call it that anyway, I yeah. have no degrees, but obsessions for sure. Yeah. Uh, that's what's my your obsession. take. As, so in, 
I, I personally, my, I love Michael Tessarion's work. Me too. I, I think I, I have all of his books. I've not read most of them yet, but I, <laughs> I, I do have all of his and a lot of his other stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But I do, I do disagree with some things for sure. I do, I do think he does have a couple of blind spots, mm-hmm. but everybody does. So kind of what, how would you, well, what's your take as opposed to his uh, regarding, you know, the uh, Ireland and its role sort of in the modern world or civilization? So I don't, I can't say that I know his theories specifically. I've definitely looked into a lot of his work over the mm-hmm. years. I don't remember what his real theses are, yeah. but I generally know that he's talking about old Ireland, you know, the Gales, the Saxons, every, everybody in that area that was kind of getting together and mingling. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, uh, the so this Twada de Danan from Ireland, the ones that show up on the shores there, supposedly the the ones that basically create all of the folklore, or well, that all the folklore is about them and everything. Um, they come from the Middle East. So the Tuatha de Danan, when you trace them back in time, we see them in areas of Scythia known as the Tuada, Tuade Anu. The name changes a little bit, but all along this pathway, we see them naming different areas all after this, this Danu. But the thing is the tribe of Dan is more closely related to the Tuatha Dé Danann than this goddess Danu. I actually think that is another thread altogether. I, I don't know, but I've connected and many other people have connected this Tuatha Dé Danann to the Tuade Anu of, of Armenia and Scythia, this Middle Eastern area. And when you look into the Scythians and this group, this Druidic group in the Middle East, it's all the same symbolism, the serpent symbolism. It's the same mythology of, of these are the keepers of magic. And um, yeah, it, it, this is, um, a can of worms. This is interesting that you mentioned this, but we may not have time to get into all of it because I'm kind of trying to link a bunch of things that each take like 15 minutes to talk about, you know, yeah. but um, for the most part, yeah, like the, the, as far as the origins go, I've traced it from Ireland's like closer to us in time than this. Like we go back to the Tuade Anu in the Scythian area. And then I'm linking it directly to the Anu Naki of the, uh, Mesopotamian area. Uh, it lines up with a lot of interesting migrations that are happening over the course of a couple thousand years in that area. And while the Sumerian language itself is a linguistic isolate, which means that there's no languages at all that we can find that can be related to Sumerian, despite that fact, they are surrounded by these, people, these migrating tribes coming down from the Caucasus from the East, and they're migrating all into these areas later on after the Sumerians were already established. But we're, we're look, I'm just looking into all of these different areas of like the Basques that they're everywhere in back backwards of like 5,000 BC. We're finding traces of these tall, light skinned, green-eyed, blue-eyed, red-haired, blonde-haired people, nomadic tribes coming in. And the thing is, is the lost tribes of Israel ended up in the Caucasus. Like, that's already 
kind of established unless you're taking that as pure mythology you're going to completely miss it so that's what i was talking about that like primal form of skepticism that just writes it all off as silliness and just follows whatever historic narrative is being passed on by academia but there's much more to it and i think that yeah this is a whole can of worms for sure so were the anunnaki um what were the anunnaki i i personally when a few years ago when basically when we met, when we met with my wife we would instead of watching bullshit netflix we would watch like document or what we thought were documentaries on youtube and we yeah. watch all these world war 2 documentaries and about the anunnaki and it was all the suggested things that we're like oh let's see this looks interesting so in hindsight i realized that was all bullshit like propaganda, all the World Wars, uh, not, uh, not all the World War II stuff, but a lot of the World War II stuff, it was probably embellished and there's certain narratives there and stuff like that. But this Anunnaki yeah. stuff, it seems like they're throwing you like, oh, look, they, they drew a spaceship on this thing and the tomb yes. or whatever. So it was probably aliens. I'm not saying it was aliens, but it was aliens. So, right, so what's your take right. on the Anunnaki and all this stuff? Okay, so to me, the Anunnaki, which means of princely blood or of royal blood, or of the princely blood of An and Ki, um, which does not mean what Sitchin translated it to, which yeah. was from heaven to earth came or something like that. It's not what it means. And many linguists have proven him wrong over the years. Um, they were human. In my opinion, these were the same people or something closely related to the same people that later on established Iran and India. And these People are still present in like Northern Africa. We have these Caucasian people. We have Egyptian mummies with red hair. And the thing is, these this line of thinking. So here's my thing. My angle was disprove ancient aliens, bring it back home to human beings. What I accidentally have run into is this friggin' bullshit Nazi stuff. And I mean, I wanted to say that because I'm sure people will think it. And I wanted to clarify that. Like, I'm not trying to say anything to do with like, oh, the white race, blah, blah, blah. Nothing like that. We're looking at what was going on back then. And as far as I can tell, my argument against people that, before I say that, there are a number of anthropologists and archaeologists that go down this path. I'm not one of them. I don't have any credentials, but I'm just saying they do and they are completely canceled. They are destroyed. They are evil. They are white supremacists. They are Nazis, blah, 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 blah. My defense is that the, what I'm finding is that the high Germans, if you trace them back far enough, they are the Canaanites. The, so the Israelites are <laughs> both sides of that war and all the victims and the aggressors. Uh, it is all the same people far wow. back in time. Wow. And that is pretty contentious and we don't have conclusive evidence. I'm using 70% evidence, which is DNA based. Mostly we're finding caucus, caucasoid uh, DNA in Asia that makes sense for the Tocharians. And that's, you know, we've already discovered there's pyramids there that for some reason have been just grassed over for generations so no. it's all there. We just don't, we have a lot of roadblocks because the thing is you can't talk about any alternative history that isn't verified by academia with these amazing historians that know it all like the back of their hands, because they're going to reject any alternative theory anyway, 
whether it has value or not, because it's it's a waste of their time, honestly. Whether they're yeah. completely against it or not, it's an academic waste of their time. So right. it's hard. These are hard walls to climb over to find out if some of us are running wild with theories or not, you know, but that's what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to spread the word far and wide and try to get more eyes on these areas because I think this uh, area of political blockage is telling, but it's also scary because I don't, I'm not trying to come off like some trying to uncover the Nazi Aryan race or anything. I'm not trying to do that. I'm running into it on accident, trying to disprove ancient aliens, but yeah, I don't know. It's a weird topic. Yeah, dude. I don't even know. Like, to be honest, I I don't even know what can be trusted anymore of any of this history that we're told. Like, evolution, right. um, you know, the ancient Egyptians that they built the pyramids. You know, the, because we have... It's clear that it's so even in Ireland there's pyramids. They, they have Absolutely. all these these mounds. And when you look at some guy uh, uh, on uh, Michael Tassarion's Unslaved podcast with David White, they had a one guy, an Irish guy, that he he basically they could draw a, a draw a, like a line between from um, I forget somewhere in Ireland they had this mound and it basically crossed the, this line basically crossed a bunch of um, uh, different monuments like in France, etc., mm-hmm. all the way to the pyramid, I believe the, the Great Pyramid or the Pyramids of Giza. So, it whatever, whoever, and whatever civilization built these things, they were clearly like in in various places around the world. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. And a lot of the stuff is hidden, and they're clearly they're, so Tara, the hill in, in Ireland. I know when I was living yes. in Ireland, there was a they wanted to build a motorway. They wanted to destroy. So they, it looks like these, and in this case, we could call them satanic sort of psychopaths sure. that have no reverence for history and, and they want to like completely like paper over this stuff for their own agendas. But, you know, they, it's clear that they're destroying a lot of heritage sites to cover up the real truth. And then we're f- fed this fabrication through schools. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree, man. Um, the idea of them being everywhere too is—it's uh, interesting because we look at the Phoenicians and, man, my boy Narco Longo from Old World Florida on YouTube. Please, everybody, go check him out. He has done a lot of amazing work, and he's connected the Phoenicians all the way down to Florida. It's wow. crazy, man. They were everywhere, and the Phoenicians are these people. They are the Scythians. They are these people, these Tuatha de Danan from Ireland. They are these. And also, you know, I don't know if you've heard this perspective before, but a number of people go on to podcasts talking about these angelic sailors or the sea people. And of course, oftentimes it's used more in a kind of fantastical way, like fish people and gods and sci-fi themes. But Really, we're talking about these seafaring nomadic tribes. If you look at Phoenician ships and Viking ships, they're the same exact thing, mm-hmm. you know, and they're separated by supposedly thousands of years of history. Bullshit. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's unbelievable. I wish I, next time maybe we'll do a slideshow yeah. because the slideshow is pretty amazing. You know, you got Hammurabi of Babylon, a celebrated king of Babylon, a human. And he looks identical to all the Anunnaki paintings in Sumer. <laughs> so it's like, 
Well, what do you do? And the Scythians and the Tuatha in Ireland, like they have all these features. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And we didn't get into uh, the Pixies, which is a really fun one. I can give you a little one there. That's just that yeah. uh, this word pixie is associated with fairies and fairyland and all this mystical stuff. Yeah. But the pixies, this this term clearly comes from a group called the Pixie, which was prevalent in Cornwall, England, but also Scotland and uh, and Ireland. The Pix, the painted people. We don't even know what they called themselves, but we know them by other names like the Tuatha and the Tuatha Anu and the Anunnaki. These ancient groups were everywhere and they think of themselves or thought of themselves 100% as the superior race. Doesn't mean they were, but they clearly painted themselves as gods. But we just, and this is contentious as well, and we all have a personal meaning. I'm comfortable using the word God as my personal spiritual meaning. But at the same time, this word itself, supposedly from what I'm finding in certain areas, this word was more of a terminology for um, intuition. So anyone that was led by will and intuition, which sounds like initiates of higher understanding, right? That principle is more what that word stood for. So these gods or kings with the crowns, right? The crown symbolizes the sun and that the the oldest religions that i've found talk about that transmutation of the 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 information or the wisdom from the sun the origin of these sun worshipers is the transmutation of that power into the human brain and the fractal relationship between the sun and that third eye the pineal gland this is the crown chakra so it's all kind of connected in the symbolism but it's all human it's very much human. And we've just, I think it's both a game of telephone over thousands and thousands of years and tons of different cultures mixing together. But also, I I do believe that there's a line of nefariousness going on where others that are more powerful and more able to use their voice know about all this and keep that advantage to themselves, probably. But I do think it's natural, too. You know, we've gone through many cataclysms on this planet probably have led to a lot of confusion afterwards you yeah. know what's your what's your take on the druids now I, I, I so from my understanding they were sort of keepers of all this ancient knowledge they mm -hmm. were basically magicians not in a fairy tale in a fairy tale way but you know they were able to they had occult occult knowledge they had a, a really a lot of wisdom in terms of plants, what plants to use and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then I remember when I was a kid, I used to love Asterix and Obelisk, Obelix. And um, it was obviously a cartoon, but, you know, the, the Druid, I don't know, like, were those guys like, uh, like initiates of something? Because it, it looks like they, like, a, you know, how... Uh, TV and and programs like that would divulge certain clues. So the yeah. the druid, he, you know, he would um go there with his golden sickle and you know get specific herbs that only he knew how to mix in specific ways. Mm -hmm. So uh, were, were were these guys hunted down and killed off by you know whoever this cult is that took over their knowledge and the power? What what's your kind of research tell you? 
I think so. The whole idea of St. Patrick ridding Ireland of all the snakes is clearly about what we in modern times call pagans. But, you know, Pagani is just a specific area, you know, it, it, a specific group. This word is just kind of for the perennial peoples of the planet, the people, the parent race. I would, I, I'm comfortable saying parent race, even if they're pretty nefarious at certain points in history and, and stuff like that. They're not good or bad. It's just history. But um, parent race nonetheless, because it seems to be where all of this is coming from. Um, yeah. There's a part of the box saga, which I'm trying to confirm because you can't, this is a part that you literally can't go to any academic historian and be like, Hey, because well, obviously this would have been hidden. This would have been obscured. Um, supposedly Leo the ninth, Pope Leo the ninth in the year 1050 hired an army in, uh, Saxon Germany and uh, to go to, uh, this holy place of the box saga people that we didn't really get too into that, but the people where they live, where they're from and where they still resided at that time and murdered everyone. And let's call these people of the box saga, the original pagans, if you will, the, the original heathens. And that's where this, this heathen story kind of comes from. Uh, but so they kill everybody. They destroy the old world, right? The whole symbolism of it. And they want this new Catholic world to take over. And they clearly did. Um, but what's interesting about even the box saga, even from the pagans perspective, it claims that they made a deal with Pope Leo the ninth, that this original pagan information would remain hidden from the world and kept in their family for a thousand years, not forever, but for a thousand years so that it will be released when the world is ready to hear it, which mm. is to me the most, and I, the box saga is very long and very complex and we could definitely get into that some other time. Mm -hmm. Um, but to me, like that's the most important part about the box saga because it's like, well, wait a minute. Do we really have this like two sided thing then? Is it really the pagans versus the Christians or anything? Are these just dualities that have formed over time? Because, shit, Christianity is very pagan. It's all just reused and reused, recycled information, but maybe it wasn't accidental. You know, it was all put there on purpose for a greater reason to keep this through line or something. I don't know. It's really weird. Hmm. I don't remember your original question though. I may have gone off track. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, uh, the question is: Do you think that the druids were like just oh, the you know druids. hunted down, yes. killed off? So yeah, I think I think they absolutely were, and I think um, the destruction. So when I, I'm sorry, that's what happened. I went off track, told that story about the box saga. So in a way, this is like a metaphor for what happened, where the druids and anyone like that, that whole old world idea, has been hidden, buried, and suppressed. But the more I look. And this will probably be good to like lead us into another time. Mm. Um, the more I look, especially after digesting so much ancient aliens and stuff like that over the years and kind of being a part of the UFO community and looking into all this stuff, rather than what the general generally accepted perspective is that we have this like glorified parent race from back in the day that has been hidden by bad guys or something. It's starting to look more and more like, it's all just them and they've hidden their own 
history and ours along with it. So that's pretty concerning. Yeah. So w- w- do you think there's there, there's a chance that any of this will ever come to light, like the real truth, or do you think we're fucked, basically? I think it's coming to light on purpose. I don't think it... it I, I think... Um, and this is a whole nother can of worms. We're opening all kinds of can of worms today. Um, in a way, the opposition to the powers that be is unknowingly controlled opposition. Like if the goal is to kind of collapse the world as it is, which does kind of feel like the case, um, who's doing the collapsing, who's exposing everyone and who's collapsing all the houses of cards. And that would be us, the conspiracy movement, the truthers, the hidden history buffs, all of us that are coming out and calling bullshit on everything that's been told to us throughout, not just our childhoods, but our parents, our grandparents, their parents, and so on for a long time. We're the ones collapsing the world. We're the ones helping that happen. And it's interesting when we combine that with Terrence McKenna and many others of that generation's idea of the the return of the age of Aquarius and the archaic revival, because these are old world ideologies, this lightly hinting at original paganism, right? So if we're collapsing the modern world and maybe that one wants to come back, and we already have this supposed prophecy of the church and the pagans making a deal to allow this to come out in a thousand years. It's a really twisty situation we're in. And I don't like calling anybody bad guys or good guys at this point. I think we're all just in this together and it's, it's a really weird twisted story, but it's going to come out. It's all inevitably coming out because even who we would consider bad guys have been slow dripping all of this to us for decades and decades and decades. But why would you think why do you think that is? Why are, I don't why know. Would... A lot of people have talked about revelation of method. Okay. Um, but unfortunately, that's not a real esoteric principle. Um, that was created by James Shelby Downard, who was insane. He was wild, man. He talked about all sorts of Illuminati and, and conspiracy stuff. Some of it was pretty crucial and I think maybe true, but he was pretty unhinged and there was a lot there. Uh, it kind of hinges on your belief in christianity in a way and and whether you do or not you can see the one-sidedness of that so it's like eh. the revelation of method idea is this they have to tell us it's some karmic retribution thing where if they tell us what's true then you know even if we don't understand it they're free of karma and i call bullshit on that because i think spirit knows better than just simple human language and trickery i think spirit you know consciousness itself would know if you're being a liar or not you know, so that's intention. The, the karma is inside, yeah. you know, you're judging yourself. So to me, I think there's an element of that where sure they have to tell the truth in a way, but I still think it's more that we don't understand our own language. Most of the time, yeah. I, especially when it comes to the ancient stuff, if we're talking about like the old stuff coming back or being embedded into everything around us, sure. But we don't understand the words we're using. And that's why we go off on, reptilian tangents from Nibiru and stuff like that. We don't understand the language, even if they are like signaling each other in public, the big bad they, 
there it's all coming out because it's never been not out. We are finally upgrading our perceptions. We are, unfortunately, I hate to phrase it this way, but catching up to them, whatever mm-hmm. them, the initiate, yeah. right? Yeah. The ones yeah. who have already been initiated and were mature enough to put society together. Yeah. I'm not saying they're good guys or bad guys, but the ones who were in a position to, I don't know, feel knowledgeable enough to create society or something to that degree. Yeah, it, it does. I think the the printing press and uh, obviously the internet now is it is a big equalizer. So those mm-hmm. that that have the desire, because we 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 are starting like at a great with a great handicap with a huge deficit. The schooling system has really made uh, has churned out mostly non-critical thinkers, yeah. uh, order followers, acceptors of the status quo. So. I don't know. Do you just out of curiosity? Do you think it's just the the internet a lot, uh, basically got away from them? Yeah, maybe they, they didn't think maybe. that there's that possible. many bright sparks. It's possible, yeah. Because I mean, I just don't. That that's a really contentious thing. Like, why would they ever give it to us in the first place? Right? Yeah. Why would they ever allow the print? Like these. This is all. So you don't want to be like, quote unquote, black pilled and be like, it's all evil. It's all, yeah. you know, not like that. But we kind of have to, I, instead of saying everything is evil all around us, I think we have to instead reframe what we think about how these connections are put together, you know, because why would they give us the printing press? Why would they, quote unquote, ever even allow us to know how to read? Yeah. Well, we are them as I'm trying to prove through history, like it's, there's really no difference at a certain point in time. And if there's a group that knows that, why would they be killing their own family? If we claim that they are all about bloodlines and shit like that, it's much more complicated than we give it credit for. And I think like I was saying in the beginning, we really love to plant our flags because we want to be able to, when, when you wake up from the, uh, the, the matrix, quote unquote, you are vulnerable. You are flying in free space vertigo, right? Until you start planting flags. What's true again? I need something that's real. Okay. So you start to build a new worldview. And I do think it's possible to, to have a middle path. You know, shout out to Lindsay Sharman from Rogue Ways and the middle path. Uh, mm. There's a good way to have a middle path there and to not, plant your flags, maybe set up a tent that you can easily take down, but no flag planting for the most part, because you're building a worldview, whether you like it or not. And every time you plant that flag, you limit the amount of locations the next one's going in. In my I love opinion. That. That's actually a great analogy. I know somebody that, uh, uh, no, I don't, I'm not trying to be disrespectful here, but um, she was a very uh, a Christian person. Mm-hmm. And um, after the COVID stuff, she was like, okay, I don't believe anything. I don't believe any, any like anything. Any, she tell me like any conspiracy you tell me, I will probably believe that that happened. So yeah, I, that's I told dangerous. myself, that's very dangerous. And because you're extremely impressionable, it's like the, the way uh, basically trauma programming via trauma works because and that's what this was yeah so but get this so she 
went from being like a mega uh, Christian yeah. into then she was like flat into the flatter stuff. She's like, oh, it's flat, the other stuff. And then she went into uh, no, that's actually not true. Uh, and then she got into the the fi- ascension into five D in the ah, next yes. five years. It's so, all an illusion. Yeah, yeah. So uh, like this is all an illusion. Uh, you know, uh, we're gonna send it to five D, which uh, yeah. basically it's it's a way to compartmentalize all this r- stuff that's happening in reality, so as not to have to deal with it like an adult intellectually. You comp- compartmentalize that, and it's like magical fairy pixie dust. Yes, the ascension, dude. Because they don't want to take like, oh, these people grew up with that that mystical idea of heaven and God. Once they lose that, or if they start questioning that, you can literally see like I'm picturing like this big evil banker just like putting one church down and then one like crazy hippie dome of new age, and then just watching them get scared out of there and run into the next yeah. building. And just <laughs> exactly. It's just one extreme to the other and it's all a psyop. It's all a psyop. But uh, like not everything is a psyop, no. but a lot of the new age stuff I got a, I got a lot out of these popular new age writers back in my 20s for sure. I did too. I did yeah. too. But this stuff I like um what's the guy's name called? Mark Passio, he's got mm-hmm. some great presentations on it about how we are conditioned to become passive observers and thinking we can meditate away the this bullshit and think happy thoughts. I I definitely see we, it's it's very obvious that the new age movement got hijacked in that sort of way. Um, but uh, it it's just it was for me quite um, sad to be honest. I I I felt sad. Because I could see she's facing a lot of pain, mm-hmm. and um, I, unfortunately, mo- most adults are just big children. We, Absolutely, unless we actually uh, say, "I am ready to feel a little bit of pain in order to mature my psyche," we're fucked. Like people are fucked. That's initiation. Because, yeah. You know, that's, that's what, like, you know, it's a scary word for a lot of conspiracy theorists. It immediately leads to, like, Freemasonry and stuff. But, you know, no coincidence there. Like, yeah. initiation, you know, it's it's when the Native American boys would spend, what, like, oh, this is an old story. It's probably completely outdated and full of shit. But I, as a child, I had heard that certain Native American tribes would, you know, their young boys at a certain age would go out and fend for themselves for a week or something like yeah. that. Like there's a million different forms all yeah. around the world of initiation. And yeah, we just assume that growing up and turning a certain age makes us an adult. Yeah. And it's shit. these rites of passage that you're talking about. Like all the indigenous tribes that would have something like like uh uh the, the kid will will have to go out there and you know fend fend for himself, no food, wolves, or um so, so I think it was was it in our some African tribes, you have to like do le- le- literal leaps of fucking fate where you just jump off of a cliff oh or into the water. <laughs> yeah. uh, there was one thing in when I was living in South Africa, there's this thing called the slide of courage in Sun City, which is like a, like an amusement place, a casino and like water slides. But it's, I think it's the origin is they, they build this uh, slide that goes vertical. And when you, when you are like old enough, you, you show that you, 
you have the courage to go down the slide. It's like literally you're at one point you're in the air falling down. I've been on it when I was like, I don't know, 11, 12. It is epic. That's but epic. Like, yeah. Yeah. So there's, oh, and, and even like, um, uh, just taking psychedelics, like yep, kids absolutely. Would, like, do do peyote. I, that was I one of actually, my revelations. When yeah. I did psychedelics the first time, I had a lot of different revelations. It was blowing my mind every 30 seconds. Yeah. Time didn't exist. But um, <laughs> one of them was, holy shit, this must be what they're talking about, a rite of passage. Like, yeah. And, you know, maybe it was premature enlightenment at that point for my 19-year-old brain. But still, it was, I got it. I understood the concept. It was like, okay, it's perturbation of consciousness it's inducing that you think you're gonna die in a way that's the rudimentary version of it i would say i think it's become more complex through different tribes over over time but elementarily it's get rid of the fear of death that's what an adult is i bet we could even trace the you know the 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 phonetics of the word adult to something interesting you know that's that's usually the game i play you know, yeah, finding yeah. context in our words today leads back to a lot of these old world things. Like we haven't dropped any of these languages. We've just mm. kind of mixed them together. It's pretty wild. Yeah. But yeah, these rites of passage are, are kind of kept from us in a way. Yeah. Um, but they're out there and they're becoming more prevalent now and they're being pushed everywhere. This idea, this, again, we have this duality where, you know, you're saying Mark Passio was talking about like meditation being this psyop in a way, but it's not like meditation itself is amazing. But I do agree with him that, you know, these 10 minutes under a tree, like be by yourself and breathe for a minute. Well, I hate to say it. Maybe that does help people in a way, but that ain't what meditation is. Meditation is what Buddhism talks about. You know, it's getting to that non-thinking center. You know, Mm -hmm. have you ever seen the movie I heart Huckabees? No. It's very weird. Not a lot of people saw it or gave it credit, but it's got a lot of symbolism mixed into it. It's all about corporate modern life and uh, materialism and stuff and certain people in the movie that become enlightened. Well, they do this activity near the end of the movie where they just have this like bouncy ball and they're hitting each other in a certain part of their forehead. And they're it's just goofy. It's a funny scene, but it's about if they do it the right way, they'll stop thinking for a few seconds. And it's like, oh, okay, I get it. So we just do this all day, man. We just do this all day and we'll be fine. Everything will be fine. And it's that's what Mark Posse is talking about. Like, don't get led into all these tools are the answer to your being. Yeah. You know, like these tools are there, but we have to be adults in the fucking ancient sense of the word to really be able to use them properly and without ending up using them as a crutch or letting them become us, you know? Love it. And listen, we're definitely going to have to have more time in the future. Absolutely, my friend. You're going to have to come on my show sometime too. For sure, bro. Would love to. Listen, I have a couple more questions for you before we wrap up. So this is for my solutions talk segment. I ask every guest. So what are you doing that others can do also to increase their freedom, self-reliance, autonomy, and or resilience to the challenges that we face this decade and beyond? I, well, my wife and I both are looking at anything that we have to purchase and seeing if we can create it ourselves. And, you know, to some degree, at least we're not making our own clothes yet, (laughs) but 
it's all possible. And so right now we have a massive garden starting to get replanted right now. It's the perfect time of year. Um, we grow a lot of vegetables and, and fruits and we grow our own sponges that we use in the kitchens and the bathrooms. Wow. Uh, yeah, like literally it doesn't have to be limited to food, but that's, that's a great place to start. Um, microgreens is another great place for people mm. to start. Even if you want to make it a business, people are exploding with microgreen businesses all over the place because grocery stores will buy them up, you know? Yeah. Trying to do things for yourself. You know, you don't have to go off and live in a yurt. You don't have to go off and live in the woods. Not yet anyway. And plus the <laughs> woods are all owned anyway. So <laughs> do something for yourself and, you know, spread the love. We share our vegetables. We share our fruits with our friends and families. And sure enough, we have a lot of people in our family and friends groups that are asking us how to do things now. How nice, can we do yeah. this? What should I do? Hey, I'm getting... Uh, a raised bed. Uh, should I plant tomatoes like this or like it's awesome. spreading just, you know, and if that's the whole essence of it, that's this multiplicity to its advantage here in duality. One to two to four to six to eight. To, you know, it just goes and goes and goes and goes. The ideas are out there and there's no stopping them at this point. And yeah. I think at every step of the way, even if a lot of what we've been led into to be thought of as free or, or you know, opposing the the powers that be turns out to be some sort of like honey trap or something. The human spirit never, never goes away. And that's the one thing they can't take. And I think if we raise the next generation with these things in mind and yeah, try to raise critical thinkers, not conspiracy theorists, mm -hmm. but critical thinkers, you know, no, I want no. my son to challenge the shit out of half the crazy stuff I say in five years, you know, how old is he? He's only five right now, but it's not nice. going to take long. He's yeah. already got his own Bigfoot theories and stuff. So. <laughs> love it, though. Love it, love it. That's really But he's amazing. in the garden, too, you know, at, and my so niece awesome. at two is as well. You know, they're in there. They're getting their hands dirty. They're getting used to what it takes to pull out a plant when it's ready, to put it in before it's it's sprouted, you know? Yeah. Just to get them used to the process of doing things for themselves and remembering the oldest activities that we've done. You know, that's it's too young for that. hunting. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, I, I started this year with dreams of that, doing some hydroponic stuff to show my daughter. She's a little bit too young, but next year, definitely. Well, I've that's got awesome. some hydroponic peppers, strawberries, lettuces and stuff. Yeah. So we're going to we're going to get into that. I think it's you're so right. You're so right. I grew up um, when I was like five, six, seven. I'd be at the, my village, my grandma's village. And I'd see, I'd see how I'd just be out, out with her, and like she'd be, have a goat, milk the goat. She'd give me milk directly. She'd literally scoop the little goat poops out of the milk, and it was like <laughs> this yellowy liquid. And like I'd be sick or something, and she like drink this. This will, this will cure what ails you. And Jeez, like, yeah. it was so epic, bro. It was so epic. We've, we've fallen so far away from the old world. And it's funny too, because most of the people that are like kind of new age hippie, not most, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of people that I have come in contact with, even on social media, it's like, these are the last people that are willing to do any of this old world shit. <laughs> They're so embedded. So I think that's kind of what like people like Elon Musk and these other kind of technically luciferian type people yeah. are kind of after they're like well i want it the new way but i want it the old way and i'm gonna synergize the two and i just think it's uh 
I don't know. There should be a synergy of the two, but it doesn't seem, they don't seem to have the right answer. I think uh, a lot of the stuff, it's uncool now. It's uncool to... Yeah, it's icky. Yeah, it's icky. But what I love is there seems to be a resurgence that gardening is cool. Growing your own food is cool. Absolutely. uh, And I I feel like it's all about how you frame it. So my wife personally does not have great memories about gardening from her childhood. I do. So I'm always like super enthusiastic and she's always like pouring water on my fire about it. So I'm trying (laughs) to frame it other way. So I'm literally like... Oh, they do the, they did a bunch of res- like scientific research that uh uh grow uh like being out in the dirt touching the dirt uh it's good for your microbiome it's good for like uh, uh endorphins uh you know increasing like um feel good neurotransmitters so it's good for like mood you know and I'm like I'm coming up with like ways to make it cool in a yeah, way yeah, absolutely you know what I mean? <laughs> so I think you need a few cool like so, like like you were saying before like someone like joe rogan if he's like ah oh, fuck fuck these uh grocery prices i'm gonna start my own garden then like a million dudes be like shut, shut. you know i'm not gonna pay like 12 bucks for a lettuce i'm gonna like grow my own lettuce at home so it would guys like, like this is why guys like that they help they wield so much power if they say gardening is cool or whatever like uh living more ancestrally is cool then mm. more people will do it and they will realize that, fuck, this is the way. Not being stuck, uh, giving your kid when they're four years old a tablet to look at. No, being out, get dirty. And being right. dirty is good because it's good for their immune system. It's good for the microbiota. Absolutely. And I think, like I was saying at the end there about like Musk and everybody, like the whole transhumanism thing, the yeah. tech, the tech run world. It's like... I really think they're desperately trying to reimagine the old world into the new world. And I just think nature's going to be like, no, it's a no. mimicry. You're wrong. Like it's this, is, this doesn't, this doesn't jive and it may not hit us at first, but it it's gonna, you know? Oh yeah. I, and it's weird too, because it's like, there's, there's a whole sector of the, the alternative media world that kind of feels, and I don't disagree entirely that even the, 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 idea of progress as it's used in a modern way is kind of a psyop. And when you root back to all these certain modern words and everything, it's tied to all the most evil people and stuff. And I can't deny that, but there's also this thing that my wife and I often say to each other, which is like, didn't we come here to be human beings? Like whether it was our choice or not, like we're human beings. We're put here without knowing the circumstances. Even if we have the ability to remember throughout all these ordeals or psychedelics or whatever, initially we're here as amnesiatic orphans, basically. So whatever we decide, how would that necessarily be condemned on some existential level right but it's hard to argue with the idea that the further we go away from natural living the more dangerous our health concerns get and it's like well shit what does that do to progress or are we just framing progress in the wrong way for the past couple hundred years i don't know because it's you know at first it's oil that's evil and it's destroying the world and maybe there's some truth to that and now it's electric cars are bullshit and look at the friggin' minefields of or the endless graveyards of uh you know wind turbines and yeah okay so everywhere you look it's evil 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 you can't you can't find the right solution anywhere what the hell 
what I don't know, man. Like, is the only way to do it is to rub two sticks together to get fire? I don't know. Are we not allowed to to make progress or else it leads to our destruction? Or have we just at some point been led in the wrong direction that is destructive and there is a progress that we can get back to, you know? Yeah. I don't know. There's I so think many we things. Have, totally. I think we have a lot to learn from the Amish. They were like, yeah. this this decade is just enough technology. Okay? Yeah, it's like simple simple machines. This no is further. <laughs> no further. No, get yeah. the fuck out of here with all this other stuff. This is it. So yeah. I don't, th- those guys definitely have a lot to teach us, I think. It might be interesting sometime in the future, like the Amish are wearing VR goggles, but everybody else <laughs> is so far ahead. It's like, oh, what are you, the Amish? You know, like, <laughs> do they just stay one century behind? I don't know. Because <laughs> I yeah, know a lot of them watch TV. Because now a lot of them apparently use uh, diesel generators. So it's like, guys, oh, see, see, it's like electronic I think components. at a certain time period, you're so far away from everybody else that like it's inevitable. You kind of do progress a little bit, you know, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's so weird. I love it all. I love how there's we don't have full answers to any of these things yet. And no, it does feel like we're getting close, though. It feels like every of course, every day almost feels like we're right next to the you know, the, the end of the illusion, you know, but who yeah, knows? Yeah. Who it's knows? I, I think, I think it's, it's to, to go the other direction from the black pill thing you mentioned. I think mm-hmm. we need to white pill ourselves. Uh, it's just, and I love your attitude. I love, I love your so like, it's palpable that you are a positive, upbeat person. You know, it's mm-hmm. not, you're not putting on a show. You know, it's it's clear to. that you you you're like a student of life. You love to learn, and I I also love I just love experiencing new things, learning new hobbies, new things. So I think let's yes, there let let's be men, let's be adults, let's be um there to whatever happens, be there and fucking show up, whether it's <laughs> with whether it's with a shovel for the garden or with a fucking fashioned uh, uh sharpened stick spear to fight the you know whatever it yeah. doesn't matter let's just be ready as men as warriors uh but also be you know like love life enjoy life and just it's a magical adventure at the end of the day when it's all about how you see it hell yeah man absolutely i agree with you 100 percent. all right andy last final question bro uh where can the listeners find your work Please share that. So this has been awesome. Really appreciate it, man. You have great questions. Can't wait to talk to you again. Sure, um, the listeners can definitely find me at The Deep Share on Twitter and Instagram. On Facebook, I'm just Andy Rouse. Reach out and say hi. Um, my podcast is on all the podcasting platforms. I'm on also YouTube and Odyssey. Uh, yeah, you can find me all those places. On Twitter, I am not as much of a everything goes type you'll find me arguing and you know i feel that i have found a nice little perspective on there to entice questions and that's what i want because i do have a lot of hard-nosed ideas about history but i'd love (laughs) to be proven otherwise because it's only going to add to my perspective i know it's not going to take away from it and that's a good place to be at so come and join me over there i love that that's that's the truly open open-minded thinkers way you know just prove me wrong i'll I'll learn something yeah yeah i don't want to accept everything i'm not that open-minded yeah you know i i have 
you know, you logical reason as well yeah. as whimsy. All right. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely, brother. Well, Hell yeah, man. Andy, till next time, brother. Thank you so much. Till next time, man. Thank you.